Man, do I have some exciting news for you. DC Comics. They're planning to release a new comic this spring entitled, ready for this? Bat Transwoman. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. Just when you think the world can't get any crazier, more insane, and the term that I'll be using a lot, retrobate, <laughs> there we go. DC Comics. I can remember buying comic books, oh, I don't know, 50-plus years ago. I think the last comic book I bought was probably around maybe 1967, maybe 68. I never really got much into the DC comic books, and I definitely will not now. Uh, Bat Trans Woman. And the title will take a character, an existing character, Alicia Yeo, who's going to be a transgender woman of Singaporean descent and make her a new member of the Bat family, a hero called Bat Trans Woman. Gail Simone, the creator of the character, will write the series. This just kind of shows you we're trying to normalize to our kids the idea of Bat trans woman this entire trans thing has been rearing its ugly head for a while now and it just goes back to what I've been saying all along on this program and I, I, I'm not ashamed to say this I'm, I'm going to speak truth that's why I can't do any of this stuff on Twitter anymore because if I did they're going to just cancel me anyway That's what the cancel culture is all about. If it is obscene, if it is gross, if it is illogical, if it is sinful, if it is retrobate, it's considered good. And if it's normal, if it's heterosexual, if it's it's bad. I mean, we're coming down to this kind of craziness in our world today. If you try to come up with some kind of a definition of transgenderism, According to the dictionary today, they say it's a person who identifies or expresses a gender identity that differs from the one they had at birth. Now, it describes a transsexual person as a person who tries to look, dress, or act like a member of the opposite sex, especially somebody who is medically changed themselves into a member of the opposite sex. You know, to me, this whole thing is just insanity. It is scientifically accurate to tell you, you know, that there's never been a successful, quote, sex change operation. Because guess what? You can't change somebody's DNA. Period. But wait, they'll say, the activists will tell you, you know, somebody who transitions from, you know, male to female may still technically be male, but but his gender was really female all along because he was emotionally and mentally a female. That's like Ralph Levine. Ever heard of Ralph Levine? Well, you know him today as Rachel Levine. You know, the one that, um, the one that was facing a hearing... And Rand Paul asked these questions, and I, it's a little uncomfortable to listen to, 
But I want you to listen to the exchange. And then I'm going to come back and finish this thought. Dr. Levine, you have supported both allowing minors to be given hormone blockers to prevent them from going through puberty, as well as surgical destruction of a minor's genitalia. Like surgical mutilation, hormonal interruption of puberty can permanently alter and prevent secondary sexual characteristics. The American College of Pediatricians reports that 80 to 95% of prepubertal children with gender dysphoria will experience resolution by late adolescence if not exposed to medical intervention and social affirmation. Dr. Levine, do you believe that minors are capable of making such a life-changing decision as changing one's sex? Well, Senator, thank you for your interest in this question. Um, Transgender medicine is a very complex and nuanced field um, with robust research and uh, standards of care that have been developed. And if I am fortunate enough to be confirmed as the Assistant Secretary of Health, I would look forward to working with you and your office and coming to your office and discussing the particulars of the standards of care for transgender medicine. The specific question was about minors. Let's be a little more specific since you evaded the question. Do you support the government intervening to override the parent's consent to give a child puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and or amputation surgery of breasts and genitalia? You have said that you're willing to accelerate the protocols for street kids. I'm alarmed that poor kids with no parents who are homeless and distraught, you would just go through this and allow that to happen to a minor. I would hope that you would have compassion for Kira Bell, who's a 23-year-old girl who was confused with her identity. At 14, she read on the internet about something about transsexuals. She thought, well, maybe that's what I am. She ended up getting these puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones. She had her breasts amputated. But here's what ultimately she says now. And this is a very insightful decision from someone who made a mistake but was led to believe this was a good thing by the medical community. I made a brash decision as a teenager, as a lot of teenagers do, trying to find confidence and happiness, except now the rest of my life will be negatively affected, she said, adding that the medicalized gender transitioning was a very temporary, superficial fix for a very complex identity issue. What I'm alarmed at is that you're not willing to say absolutely minors shouldn't be making decisions to amputate their breast or to amputate their genitalia. For most of our history, we believe that minors don't have full rights and the parents need to be involved. So I'm alarmed that you won't say with certainty that minors should not have the ability to make the decision to take hormones that will affect them for the rest of their life. Will you make a more firm decision on whether or not minors should be involved in these decisions? Senator, uh, transgender medicine is a very complex and nuanced field. uh, And if confirmed to the position of Assistant Secretary of Health, I would certainly be pleased to come to your office and talk with you and your staff about the standards of care and the complexity of this field. Now, first, I apologize that That thing was as long as it was. Three of the longest minutes you probably had to endure in a long time, but I'm I'm glad that you did. Did you notice Dr. Levine refused to answer the question, absolutely tried to deflect and refused to answer the question? You know, the only people that ever refused or lie to avoid answering a question are those that know that what they're telling you is wrong or it's evil 
or it's inherently sinful. They can't admit. They can't admit to it. When asked, would you consider a teenager, a 12 or 13 or 14 year old, able to make the decision, able to make the decision to alter their bodies permanently with amputation or a chemical cocktail guaranteed to destroy their bodies during puberty. Dr. Levine, he, I'm not going to call Ralph a she. He is not a she. He is mentally ill. And Biden is trying to put a mentally ill person in a very high position of power. Pennsylvania, Governor Wolf, what kind of retrobate mind do you have to put a mentally ill, transgendered individual that needs psychiatric care in charge of your COVID-19 response? We can see how well it worked for you there. She was doing the same nonsense that Governor Cuomo was doing up in New York, except uh, he got his mother out of a nursing home before he put infected people in. Because he think he knew the he knew the risk. He may have mental illness, but he's not quote that stupid. This now in trying to find that that audio clip, going online trying to you know be able to find an audio clip. Thanks be to Google, you know, good old Google, your friend that wants to control what you're allowed to see and think. I had to wade through about 40 different videos and items before I could find an unedited total interview. Because everything else was coming from the Washington Post, just condemning him for dare asking the poor woman about this kind of stuff. And all they would quote, is what she had to say. They would just say that he was just a transophobe and and just being cruel and mean to to Rachel. And they would quote her that we've made such advances in in transgender medicine. It's butchery, it's satanic, it is sick. It is scientifically inaccurate to say there's ever been a successful sex change because it doesn't change our DNA. Listen, there are the extremely rare conditions where there is a biological error. And somebody, how do I put this politely, has an, they're born with neither the female or the male chromosome. They, they end up with an XXY syndrome. And that's rare, but they're manageable. And, and based on this rarity, this narrative has begun. You know, you go back to the 1950s, and, I, and I, I didn't know much about this, but I actually met somebody in my childhood since passed away ages ago. His name was George when he was a youngster. I didn't know him. My, my parents actually did. Uh, through a family member. And George was a photographer in Long Island, in New York. Matter of fact, he did my parents' wedding pictures. 
and he was one of the first in the 1950s to go through a sex change operation, and the world knew him as Christine Jorgensen. Now, that may not mean a, a whole lot to a whole lot of you. But see, back in those days, it was pretty well done in a research setting. He had to go, I believe, to Sweden or one of those foreign countries to get the surgery done. See, back in those days, it was a very carefully and rarely done kind of procedure for those very few that had the physical condition at birth. And there was a lot of time spent in psychology to to make sure that this reassignment uh, would make would make any sense. You know, all sin has a victim. And I'm going to call some of what these people are doing to people that are having a confused time sinful. They're doing it to make a profit. They're not doing it to help anybody. I don't care what anybody says. There's a lot of money involved with this. And a lot of victims that when they go through this, they wish they hadn't. And it's too late. They can't go back. In the rare ones that were done in the 50s and 60s, they did a lot of extensive psychology workups. Now that it's all a for-profit deal where there's no necessity, it's kind of like an elective body modification, I guess like you know making your lips fat or something, I don't know. Doctors today don't do any kind of a real psychological work. They don't care. It's all about the money. Thing is, there are a lot of suicides that are beginning to pile up like both abortion and fetal organ cell harvesting, there's a dark side of this medicine because it's unregulated and it's very profitable. The attempted suicide rate among the transgendered is an incredible. Ready for this? The attempted suicide rate among transgendered people is an incredible 41%, almost 10 times the national average of four point something percent. There's a trans line. It's a suicide hotline for the transgendered and transsexual people. Was swamped with more with 20,000 calls during its first months of operation. The activists that are pushing this, that, that yell at you and I, oh, you've got a transphobia. The society rejects us. They work to suppress any public expressions of post-surgery regret that people that have gone through it make. In other words, let's say that Johnny became Janet and decided later that I don't want to be Janet. These groups, they're out there. The activists will will work hard and and demand from YouTube and other places to take this stuff down because it's it's hateful. It ruins the narrative. See, this is a case where sin hates truth. And they just blame it on transphobia. There's a guy who goes by the name of Alan Finch. He, He regrets his surgery and founded a group called Gender Menders. And he's become the victim of those same censors. He campaigned against the industry and became the target of every leading trans activist 
who will not tolerate you or I or any other person in the world being anything less than ecstatic and happy and celebrating these transitions. Repression leads to more mental problems. And former transgender activist Walter Heyer complained one time that the modern activists in the transgender movements, the descendants of these people that thought it was a good idea in the 50s, they've been doing everything they can to squelch and crush any information about stories that discuss regret, unhappiness, and even suicide of those that have gone through this kind of surgery. Negative outcomes are only acknowledged as a way to blame society for its transphobia. And so here we are. We're about to have bat trans woman. This will go to your impressionable pre-adolescent teenagers. Not even quite teenagers in some cases, you know, 11, 12, and 13. It's part of the brainwashing of America. And like I say, in trying to even find this audio clip to share with you, I had to wade through a sewer of of people from MSNBC and CNN and the Washington Post and the New York Times condemning the mean, horrible Rand Paul, a physician I might add, challenging the butchering and amputation of body parts on prepubescent children. You know, you can't even go to a junior high school and take an aspirin with you. That is illegal. Can get you into a heap of trouble. But that school will help you get an abortion and they are promoting the idea of, you know, you should have the right to decide if you want to mutilate your body to become a boy or a girl. You know, I'm telling you, there are some things that stand out in all of this that we need to understand. Yesterday we talked about the cancel culture. And see, the kind of things that I am expressing here, that's why I worry about the kind of media platforms this radio program and podcast are on. The day is going to come when somebody's going to hear this program as a podcast or a radio show, and they're going to go to somebody, whoever's carrying it, and say, you know, that Bob Bierman guy, I mean, he, he's just a homophobe, or he's a transophobe, or he's a thisophobe, or a thataphobe, and he's got white privilege, and just, you know, and, and, he, and secretly he has a Mr. Potato Head. That's a Mr. Potato Head. And he sleeps on a my pillow, and uses my pillow towels, and, and, he, and, and, you know, mattress toppers, and sheets, by the way, too. We have to cancel him. I'll get into that part in the, a little bit later in the program. You know, a survey, this guy was doing some research, and I, I've been reading and getting ready for this program today, trying to understand this 20-fold, it's like, it is just phenomenal that suddenly transgenderism is a thing. And our schools are promoting it, and they're just clapping their hands. Isn't it wonderful? We need to celebrate with these people. 
It's a mental illness. And a lot of mental illnesses can be destructive to the individual. And this is one of them. The sooner we recognize that this is a destructive and debilitating mental illness. But no, we can't do that anymore. Not in our cancel culture. You dare say anything. You dare say anything. And they come after you to crush you, make you lose your job, get you kicked out of out of social media platforms. Probably an Episcopal church, too, you know. There is so much about transgenderism that is just destructive. The enemy of your soul and mine seeks to destroy you. This nation, this nation is experiencing something I've never seen before in my lifetime. I always knew there was a retrobate culture, but they were in the extreme minority. And they weren't controlling every aspect of our media and, and and now today the Internet. Today they control it, and you are forced to abide by it. Just like being locked down for the coronavirus and wearing a mask, you have to comply or you must be crushed, yelled at, humiliated, destroyed, lose your job. Many transgender patients have come to realize, sadly too late, that these operations never lived up to all the promises And the negative side effects were deliberately withheld from them in making their decisions. This this individual I was reading an article was talking about a survey he did of the lifespan of homosexuals and described previously in a series that found that 61 male transgendered people died at an average age. Are you ready for this? I want you to listen to this very carefully because if you don't believe that Satan is not involved in this, his corrupted evil hands are all over this. Listen carefully. This person did a survey of homosexuals described uh, that and found that 61 male transgendered people died at an average age of only 41 thus losing an average of 35 years of life. The average life expectancy for a man today, maybe a little less now since the coronavirus had us all locked down for a year. I think it went down to 75 from 76, but 41 instead of 76, 35 years gone. An incredible two-thirds of those deaths were violent in nature, murder, suicide, and sometimes intentional accidents. As I said, you cannot change who you are. You can't alter your body to become something you're not. Yet now we have an administration in the White House in charge in this country 
that wants gender-neutral restrooms in high schools. They want boys to be able to say, I'm a girl and compete in girls track and field. And we're told we must comply with all these screwy and ridiculous demands of a tiny minority of extremists. When will we address men with female pronouns or females with male pronouns? When we do it, we are contributing to our culture's confusion. Now, you're getting into the school systems where if somebody says that I want to be identified as they, <laughs> as in plural, you know, we're, your kids in, in a public indoctrination center formerly known as a school. Yeah, if, if, if the guy with the deep voice wants to be called, you know, Jenny instead of, you know, whatever, you got to go along with it. You got to support it. Or your life will be ruined. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And I mean like crushed like a bug and totally and absolutely destroyed for the world to see. We'll be right back. God's poor memory. Shalom Aleichem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. Now I was at a family gathering and I had a great uncle named Jack. I sat down with him at the table and we were talking. Jack was old. He was losing his memory. And during the conversation, he said, who are you? I said, your nephew. You don't know me? He said, no. And I was kind of discouraged. And he looked at me and said, it's all right. I don't have to remember you. I like you. You're a good person. There was no memory, but there was love. And so it is with God. You see, God also has a poor memory. That's right. He knows everything. But when it comes to memory, he's got a poor one. Well, when it comes to sin, you see, it says in Isaiah 43, 25, I, even I, am he that blots out your transgressions for my own sake. And I will not remember your sins. You see, when it comes to our sins, God's got a poor memory. In the blood of Messiah, he forgets. Now, if God has a poor memory of sin and God is perfect, then part of being perfect is to develop a poor memory for sin. Now, how about you? You have a good memory for sin? Is your memory sharp when it comes to the sins of others, what they did to you? Is your memory accurate when it comes to remembering your own past sins? Does your memory of sin extend even years back? Well, you see, a good memory will mess up your life. Be perfect as God is perfect. God's got a poor memory for past sins in Messiah. You do the same. By the grace of God, let go already. Forget it and be blessed because the blessing and the freedom and the joy are waiting to come into your life. And it all begins when you start developing a lousy memory. Want more? Ask for Be Ye Imperfect. Now the free gift for you. The mystery of the temple doors, you'll love it. And sapphires with the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus, special teachings, updates on Israel, world events and prophecy, and the secrets of strength and victory for every day of your life. So how do you get all these free gifts? Easy. Just remember Jesus' Hebrew name, Yeshua, and dial it. It's all you do. Just dial 1-800-YESHUA-1. You'll be so blessed, but call now. 1-800-YESHUA-1. Now, I invite you to join me in bringing salvation back to God's ancient nation, Israel, and the unreached peoples on five continents with over a billion people. Just call now. 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's Y-E-S. 
H-U-A-1. Or write me direct, The Nice Jewish Boy, at Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, and the zip 07644. It's The Nice Jewish Boy, it's Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, and the zip 07644. Well, till next time, this is Jonathan Kahn saying Shalom Aleichem. Peace be to you, my friend, in Messiah, Haseh Elohim, the Lamb of God. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to part two of the Tuesday edition of Truth to Ponder. I'm your host, Bob Bierman. Thankful that you are listening today to the program, either as a podcast or on radio. Also want to thank those that take the time to let me know that you do listen to the program. It is more important than you will ever know when I read those letters you send or emails you send to tell me that you're out there. This program is a a labor of love on my part. And right now, I'm trying to really get an understanding of the direction the program needs to go over the days and weeks ahead. Now, from time to time, we are going to bring information about how the pandemic was used against us in many ways, that it was not always about our best interest at heart. I think many of you that listen know that. I am deeply concerned about the vaccines. I may not go to the extremes of of even some of my guests and we just agree to disagree on a few of these matters I'll just put it this way when it comes to the vaccine for me personally I'm not interested I'm simply not interested because it is unproven technology in my opinion and I'm a little bit concerned about being part of a human testing trial for something new I mean simply put I'll just leave it there. You'll have to make your own decision your own way. And I do bring guests on from time to time. We agree on many things. Sometimes we disagree on some, but I allow them to speak and share their point of view so you can hear them and do your own research. And I hope you'll give it some prayerful consideration, the things that you hear on this program. I want to thank those that have taken the time to to write a letter from time to time uh, to let me know that you're listening and how you're listening. I, I try to keep track of of the audience the best that I can from the mail that I get. And I also thank you for those that are giving support so we can pay the monthly airtime bill at WRMI and KVOH. I wish there was more there so I could get additional airtime to share this program. But for those of you that have been faithful, you don't know how much it means to me that you're there. If you want to help the uh, work here we're doing and help cover some of the airtime, you can make a check out to Ancient Word Radio. That is Ancient Word Radio. And our mailing address, we're in Georgia, is 21 Berkshire Lane, 21 Berkshire Lane, and add the number 263 on that address line. So it's 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263. Our little tiny post office here has these secure boxes, and and that's where it will go 
Uh, they don't deliver it to the house, but they like the home address and that box number so they can make it easy to get to us. So it's number 263, and we are in the city of Sky Valley, two words, Sky Valley, Georgia, and the zip code 30537. And for those that have supported the ministry, thank you so much as we try to get ready and uh, for another month. And so I appreciate all that you do and also pray for me to to get through this. And you know, even this week, I haven't decided really what we're going to do tomorrow yet or Thursday or, or Friday. And I'm kind of letting this week be as it may. And, and I may have a guest tomorrow. I may not. I don't know yet. I'm just trying to decide, you know, what God would have me to do with this program. Well, I want to get back to just a few thoughts on the topic we were getting into. Didn't think I was going to talk that long. I still have a couple of other things left from yesterday I wanted to get to. We need to understand this whole thing about transgenderism has been rammed down our throats. It has been pushed by the media. And now we're going to see it, like I told you as I opened the program up, in a DC comic book, Bat Trans Woman. Not Bat Woman, Bat Trans Woman. And I'm not sure if the if it's a guy becoming a girl or a girl becoming a guy. Don't know yet. Don't care. Doubt I'll ever, I doubt I'll ever read it or see it. But they're making a big deal of it. They're pushing it out there to our young people to normalize, to normalize all this stuff you know we as Christians have got to begin to become realistic about the world in which we live there was a time that even a sinful and lost world and nation I'm just going to talk in terms now of the United States for a moment and Canada and where, where this most people are listening and even Australia have a number of people that listen down under and I want to thank those down there as well. We have seen this systematic and slow attack on people of faith. When I was younger, let's say let's go back to the 1960s or 1970s and I think this is going to be pretty much true of Canada, the United States, Australia, and other places in the western world. People that were in ministry, you may have not believed in their faith. You may have not been a Christian. But for the most part, those that were angry and trying to attack and destroy those of faith were a very tiny minority. Most people at least treated those in ministry with a certain level of respect. Today, all bets are off. Doesn't happen. Back in the 1960s, 1970s, nobody nobody in the schools that I ever knew of were getting on a soapbox in a classroom telling you that that Christian faith your parents believe in is all nonsense and silliness and you need to get rid of you know the sky fairy thing in your life. Well, you'll find it happens today all the time. 
you'll find being a Christian and an educator is a dangerous place to be. You'll be part of the cancel culture. You know, you'll be about as useful as Dr. Seuss books in a short amount of time. Because those views are homophobic, anti-transgenderism, white privileges, go down the whole list. But here's the problem with transgenderism, and I never thought of it this way till I, re- I read an article. Encouraging somebody with transgenderism to act on that idea that I want to mutilate and destroy my body by amputating parts off of it and altering myself. You're never going to change your DNA. You're not going to be giving birth if you're a man to a child. And I doubt that any any uh, woman that became a man is going to be fathering a child either. We must refuse to comply. We have to with these ridiculous, insane demands of this tiny minority of extremists that hold so much power over our politicians and our media and our school systems. When we address a man and call him her or a female and call that female him, we are contributing to our culture's confusion and demise. I mean, really, we really are. We're leaving millions of casualties in its wake, not just the victims of the mental illness of transgenderism, or the reprobate mind, in some cases, of transgenderism, Rachel Levine, Ralph Levine, whatever your real name is. Encouraging Ralph to be a Rachel who cannot understand or refuses to answer the question, as I pointed out in the first part of the program, uh, the damage you're doing to these children is irreversible, and, and to get that stupid reply, I'm just going to play that stupid weasel reply where I refuse to answer your question because if I answer your question, it's going to take the wind out of my sails and people will know what a fraud all this is. This is what Ralph Levine said. Senator, uh, transgender medicine is a very complex and nuanced field. Uh, and if confirmed to the position of Assistant Secretary of Health, I would certainly be pleased to come to your office and talk with you and your staff about the standards of care and the complexity of this field. To me, the fact that that Ralph Levine refused to answer the question that he he couldn't give a rational explanation of why it's okay for someone, oh, I don't know, 12, 13, 14, to make these life-altering decisions for themselves. You know, there are a lot of decisions people think we can let children make today. And I'm going to close in just a moment on that thought. We are living in a period of insanity, the insanity we're approaching. I've spent pretty much the majority of my life in in all the pro-life and family movements and, and honestly, when I look around, I, just when I thought I've seen it all, um, I see more. A lot of pro-life people, like myself, 
believe that those that go that undergo this self-mutilation appear to be a member of the opposite sex are the last word in self-absorbed and social, you know, anarchism. There's something very dis- disturbing about this entire emphasis and and the fact that the current administration has, you know, promoted it so heavily. They have. Actually, I don't think it's I don't think it's uh Joe Biden that's doing it. I think that he is so far out of it that I'm not even sure if he understands all that he's doing in office. I think it's being done on his behalf. I don't believe for a moment he's running the show. When you have Democrats wanting to, you know, we need the nuclear codes back. That that ought to tell you everything you need to know about who is running our country. It's certainly not Joe Biden. This culture of death that we live in today and that's what it is. It is a culture of death. It turns everything just upside down, inside out, backward, forward. What's good is bad. What was bad is now good. And the powerful elite, they celebrate this trans movement as, as necessary. You got people like Ralph Levine saying that these procedures are an absolute necessity and we've advanced so much in in transgender medicine it's not medicine it's butchery to the human body and allowing a mental illness to stand unabated i'll tell you what if a person felt like they were a demon trapped in a mortal body would be would would google would be want you to just accept that We live in a mad, mad world, a mad, mad world of cancel culture, transgenderism, virus phobia, and mass hysteria, and corruption in the highest places, the likes I have never seen before in my life. And and so in the face of all this satanic and demonic attack, and that's what it all is, satanic and demonic attack. No more, no less. Where's the church? What has the church done? Very little. You got some churches going just woke and, and social justice beyond the pale. You know, I was raised Missouri Synod Lutheran. But I'm familiar with the other various Lutheran bodies in the United States and around the world. Some of the stands that the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America have made of late, the Episcopal Church, the United Methodist Church, Presbyterian Church, USA, I believe, United Church of Christ, they've abandoned Scripture, reason, and tradition and adopted a new gospel and they're worshiping the planet Earth. And it shows. They're more concerned about climate change. They used to be concerned about global warming until the world didn't catch fire and it started getting cold, so it became climate change. Of course, before that, it was the Ice Age. You know, for 50 years I've been hearing we have 10 years left, my friends. 50 years of it. 10 years left. I can remember the first Earth Day in 1970. If we don't do something right now, by 1980, it's going to be snowing in Miami Beach. 
Then it started getting a little bit warmer in the 80s. Instead of getting colder, as predicted. Well, then it started to become, by 1989, we have global warming. I can remember Al Gore. I can remember everybody talking about global warming, the ice caps melting. Where I live in Florida should be underwater by now because of all the rise of all the melting ice caps. I mean, I should, I should literally have no house left. Every prediction they've made for a catastrophe has been a dismal and absolute failure 100% of the time. I can remember in 2000, I guess it was 2005, I'd gone back to work on radio and we had had Hurricane Katrina had hit had hit New Orleans and, and that whole area of the Gulf Coast. And we were told then that, wow, you know, you, you from now on, starting next year, these are all the these are all the great people, the Al Gores and everybody of the world, every expert, every movie star, every person, you know, like uh what's the guy the science guy bill nye the science guy everybody's out there saying well you know because of man-made global warming they still called it global warming then because of man-made global warming and the fact we haven't taxed you enough and taken money out of your pockets for carbon credits every year we're going to have 10 hurricanes just like katrina hit the united states and cause devastation Every year, expect over the next 10 years, a hundred different Katrinas will slam the United States. And I can remember that. I can remember it like it was yesterday. That we're going to have like 10 Katrinas every year. Well, we went what? Uh, 10 years? Longer? 12? It took over a decade before the next hurricane even hit the United States, let alone one as strong as a Katrina. We didn't have the 100 hurricanes they predicted because of man-made global warming. Their predictions are always ridiculous, over the top, and, thanks be to God, they're wrong. The retrobate mind that worships the earth and not the creator. They worship the creation and not the creator. And these are the ones that are running the show and they're driving the Mack truck of the cancel culture down the street. And what's the church do? They stay home because they're afraid of a virus. What does the church do? Well, if they gather at all, they they gather and talk about wokeness in some places like I just told you. I I can think of a church I know in Florida. They're a dying church. Their church is dying. I can't emphasize that enough. They are dying. Why are they dying? They ditched the gospel. They have no good news to share, except they do gay weddings. And they share their building with some kind of a gay Catholic community that has some kind of Catholic bishop married to his deacon, another man, and and they have their little eight or nine or ten people that gather, and they celebrate their sin as they pretend they're having the sacrament. Maybe some of those churches dying off is not such a bad thing after all. But what has replaced them in too many places are what I call 
the church of the entertainment. Now, yesterday, I played a little little snippet from a good friend of mine, Paul Castanello. He's a, a clergyman like myself, and he wrote a book, and I'll be interviewing him in the not-too-distant future. But I want you to listen carefully again to what he said yesterday. This is from an interview he did with a fellow clergyman on a little video. And then I'm going to give you a few thoughts on that topic. You know as well as I do that the state of the church, Christianity, the state of Christianity today is abysmal. It's abysmal. We have so imbibed in what the culture tells us we should be doing that there's we don't understand, as you mentioned earlier, you alluded to it earlier. The fact of the matter is when we walk through those doors at that moment, at that moment, it's not about us anymore. It's about God. And therefore, as Kierkegaard pointed out, God's the audience. The minister is the direct, the ministers are the directors and the congregation are the players. We're supposed to be giving something to God. We're not supposed to be sitting back and being um, emotionally moved by a really phenomenal band. Um, We're not supposed to sit there and listen to somebody. And this is going to probably tweak somebody, but I'm going to say it anyway. The, the fact of the matter is the church historically has always identified word and sacrament, word and sacrament. And if you don't like the word sacrament, word and communion, word and baptism, those are integral. Calvin said where the word is preached, the sacraments must be administered. Where the sacrament is presented, the word must accompany it. So they're never separate. But yet, what do we see? We see 45, 50, 55 minutes, one hour, wonderful biblical theological conversations that completely leave the visible sacrifice of Christ, the visible atonement that we see in communion, the visible inclusion into the church. Baptism leaves it out. Our friend Paul Costanello, I hope to have him as a guest maybe in a few weeks, maybe toward the end of the month. He's someone I've gotten to know in recent, well, over the last year or so. We're both clergy in very similar church jurisdictions, and I had the privilege of spending some time with him back in October and really really got to like this guy. Great preacher, great teacher, knows his stuff, and he's right. The church in the United States today is probably overall the weakest it's ever been in terms of its impact on people, our surroundings, our communities, and our culture. The weakest it's ever been. We've allowed other entities to take our place, the things that we used to do. There was a time that pretty much all charity was done by churches. Now we allow the government to do it. And once the government does it, we're kicked out and we're no longer needed or even desired in many cases. Yeah, you can still find some exceptions to that rule. But look what happened in New York, for example. To give you an idea of how how New York City And New York State treat, as a state, those that are of of faith. They treat them like trash, to be quite honest. And it's because you have trashy governors like, you know, St. Anthony Cuomo, the pious, and and, and you have Mayor de Blasio, the idiot of New York. You know, he's the town, (laughs) 
you know, the, the town nut. Back during the early days of the pandemic, you remember when we were told millions were going to die? And we were mobilizing, especially in cities like New York, where the death tally was apparently huge early on. We're finding out now why. Putting sick people back with old people is not a good idea. And your death numbers go up. That would happen with the flu, for crying out loud. But regardless, another topic for another day. Many organizations came in to help to give of their time and resources to make things happen. And so you had like, for example, you know, the president sent, you know, one of the ship, a mercy ship up there, one of the big hospital ships, really never got used. The Jacobs Javits Center was set up as a big hospital, never really got used, just a handful of people showed up. And even Samaritan's Purse, showed up and set up shop in Central Park. And all the care they were going to give was going to be free of charge, okay, as a gift. So nobody ever really used it. The big surge that we were trying to flatten the curve for never occurred, never happened as they told us it would. Yet the lockdowns and the staying-at-home orders and everything else stayed in effect, oh, from 15 days to, you know, 15 weeks to 15, we're on our way to 15 months if we're not careful. All of it, all that effort put in by all these, what they call NGOs, non-government organizations, or not-for-profits like Samaritan's Purse, so how did how did the state of New York and New York City treat those that came to do this work in New York City in the month of March and April, trying to stem the tide? Well, if you made any wage working for Samaritan's Purse as a doctor or a nurse, even though you're not charging anybody there, they wanted state income tax, and they wanted rent and everything. It's like... They, you know, you're coming in as a gift, but they want to just ream you for more money. But then again, the reprobate mind works that way. It has no charity. It has no decency. It has no morality. It is an immoral functioning brain. It can't think normally. It doesn't work the way it should. We have reprobate minds leading our nation. We have reprobate minds running our school system. And we have a church that's afraid of a virus and stays home. Or the churches we had prior that were growing are the ones that were entertainment-based, where you went there to sit in a comfortable uh, chair or theater seat or whatever, and, and, and they had a great sound system and light show and video screens, and they had a praise band and singers, and you just were entertained like a rock concert. I think what what Paul is saying, Paul Costanello, is saying is so true. When we go to church, when we enter that place, it's all about God and no longer about us. But unfortunately, the American church of late 
it's all it's either all about us and our feelings i didn't get anything out of church today the music didn't move me and the message didn't really speak to my particular need today a lot of these messages are nothing more than you know pep talks with a little bit of god mixed in to make it sound churchy and a lot of the music lyrics have nothing to do with Jesus Christ and his redemptive work on the cross. It's all about me, and I feel good, and I love him. I love him. I want to know more about him. I want to feel him. I want to touch him. Nonsense. How do you expect a church that is so self-centered and narcissistic, and it's all about me, to have any impact in our world today? It doesn't. It's a dead church because it can't function. It's all about me, and we're weak. We're not trained. We are not the church militant on this earth. We're the church mealy mouth, the church wimpy, the church worthless. And then you have the woke church, too busy worshiping the earth and homosexuality and transgenderism and celebrating men playing women's basketball and track. It's the sick world in which we live. We are a sin-infected world. Christianity, the church, should have been the salt and light of this planet. And as Jesus says, when the salt is no longer has any savor, it's only worth being tossed on the ground and walked and trod upon. And our light, well, it's like the lampstand in the book of Revelation. It's been taken away. It be gone. Dead churches with dead, stinking corpses wearing fine vestments leading services to send you to hell. That's the woke church in America today, my friends. I come before this microphone five days a week. You may hear it on the weekend. I've got a funny feeling. I I can tell where this week is heading. And I'm going to pray about what I should do with tomorrow's program and Thursdays. And and Friday, I try to tie it together as, as a real true voice of hope. Because if I can't share the hope of Jesus Christ with you and give direction, then why bother? If you believe in what I'm trying to do here, would you let me know? Visit the website, truththenumber2ponder.com, truththenumber2ponder.com. Tomorrow, I'm going to talk about social media stuff, I think. I'm going to spend part of the program tomorrow or Thursday 1. If you want to help us financially, make a check payable to Ancient Word Radio. I'll tell you more about that, too, tomorrow. And you can mail that to 21 Berkshire, B-E-R-K-S-H-I-R-E, 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263. Be sure to add that number, 263, Sky Valley, Georgia. And the zip code here is 30537. And we will see you tomorrow. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's truth, the number two, ponder.com truth to ponder shining the light of truth in a darkening world